As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so Matt, what do you get when you put Nutella on a salmon? Uh, <laughs> hazelnut fish. <laughs> I don't know. Salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did I not get that? Ashley told me that one. I told her I'd use it on the show. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm good, brother. Good deal. It's getting uh, it's it's getting closer to Halloween, and we've got we've got the decorations out. Uh, a lot of people in our neighborhood do. The leaves are on the ground. It's a little little chilly outside. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice. Um, it it uh, this this is this is the time of year I really dig, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, I love the time of year where I can wear long pants and a hoodie in the morning. Short sleeves, middle of the day, hoodie again at night. <laughs> Leave the windows open at night. It's great. Um, so if you're listening to this on Halloween, happy Halloween. Uh, if you're listening to it the day it drops, then happy pre-Halloween. It'll be in a few days. Um, but if you saved it for Halloween, it'll probably be a good one to listen to on Halloween. Um, oh, yeah. Before we get into it, I want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find some different shows to listen to that you may not find anywhere else, and you can find some different tricks and tips on podcasting. So uh, we just want to say that we are proud to be members of the Podbelly Network, great group of podcasts over there. Um, this is that time of year where uh, I posted about it in the group a little while back, but it's getting close to listener stories time. So mm-hmm. if you have a listener story, to add to our listener stories. If you've had something that's happened to you or to a family member or a friend, then email it to us. If you would like to hear it read on our Christmas episode, um, you can send that to graveyard tales podcast at gmail.com. That email address is in the show notes, but send it to us, put holiday stories or Christmas stories in the subject line and make sure you state in the email that you give us permission to read it on air. Um, right. If you don't give us permission, we can't read it on air. 
just legality purposes. But we are super excited to get your stories this year. We had some great ones last year, and I know I'm super excited, and I know Matt is excited. Yeah, and for those of you new to the show that aren't familiar with this, every Christmas it's become a tradition where Adam and I, we we bring back that old Victorian tradition of telling ghost stories around the fire mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. And what better way uh, for us to showcase some really good ghost stories than have our listeners, the members of the graveyard, tell us their story. Absolutely. And and this is what about this is this will be the fifth year we've done this. Yep. Um, Number five. And and you guys do a fantastic job. It's gotten bigger every year. I think the last two years we've had to have multiple episodes. Yep. To encompass, we 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 do our best. We have we have managed to get all the stories in every, each year. Mm-hmm. Um, if if y'all if y'all beat last year, <laughs> oh geez, yeah, we, we might have to dedicate the whole month of December. To it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So give that a shot. Uh, you know, see if you can beat last year with the quantity that you send in. I know last year we had some that really gave me the creeps. Oh yeah. I can yeah. still remember one um one of the listeners he was uh when he went to the basketball court. You remember that one? Yes. Dude, that one still freaks me out. So if you sent that one in, if that's uh your experience, holy cow. And if you haven't listened to last year's, please go back and listen to the two or three shows that we put out last year. Yeah with listener stories and you can kind of get an idea on what we're doing. Um, but yeah, please send them in. Uh, you can email them to us or probably there's not enough room on the text message for your story. Um, so best way to do it is email and make sure the subject line, somehow I can search for it in our massive amounts of emails that we get every day, half of them junk, but that way I can get it in the right folder and we can start setting up the episodes. Um, we'll figure out a end date that we got to stop taking stories, but we'll, we'll let you know that'll probably be sometime in December. So you've got a month or so to get them into us at least a month, but just wanted to go ahead and give y'all that heads up. Um, as we always say, while you're on the internet, go to patreoncom slash graveyard tales, sign up to become a patron. And we've got three different levels. Our $10 a month patrons get to see the video versions of us recording the episodes. See Matt and I's uh, outfits for the day. (laughs) Our outfits. (laughs) You get to see uh, what Matt has done with his hair uh, for this episode. You get to see Adam's pants. Yeah, (laughs) right. I'll show you my pants real quick. He's there you go. Up just a minute ago, and he goes, uh, check out my pants. <laughs> I thought he was going to show me like he got some new like tactical pants or something. He's <laughs> like, no, you know, Ta-da! <laughs> I got I got a new pair of lounge pants for my birthday this year, and they are comfortable. <laughs> and it's finally getting the weather that I can wear them around the house and not be too hot. So there you go. Um, But. Matt, that's all I've got for the intro of this because it may be a longer episode here. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? So tonight we're we're going to do a, a little bit different. 
you know, this is not going to be a regular Graveyard Tales episode. Uh, in in celebration of Halloween, Adam and I are just going to share some really cool ghost stories. Okay. We did not research these. Okay. We're going to tell you the story just the way we found it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're just sharing all the, all the crazy, all the gory, all the spooky, uh, exactly how it's presented. Um, we're, we're not going to make a bunch of inferences about it. We're, we're not going to dig into the history of it. We're just going to tell you the story. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And that's why we said this is a good one for Halloween because, you know, you, you, you just want something to give you a, a few chills up your spine. Yep. This one, uh, it, it may be a good one to creep you out with uh, on Halloween or the night before Halloween. You know, we, we may talk about them a little bit, but we're like Matt said, we're not going to go into the history and try to tell you all that stuff. So. Just sit back and enjoy the scary, creepy ghost stories we got. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say you can go check our sources, like I always say, down in the bottom of the show notes, and you can find where we found these stories because some of the sites have more stories that we didn't cover that if you want to continue creeping yourself out by reading some stories, go down there in the show notes and check out the links that we've got and continue the stories there. I know one of them, Matt, uh, you and I talked about this before, and I'll just mention it here. One of them, I looked up an article, the article link is in the sources and I'm reading some of the stories and I'm seeing, uh, as told on monsters among us, as told on monsters among us. I saw that. And I I saw, I, I, I must've come across that same page. Yeah. And so I texted Derek and I sent him the link. I said, just, I'm sure you do, but do you know they're using your stories on here? And he's like, yeah, I actually talked to them and they're good people. Um, and I said, all right, I just wanted to make sure, you know, because you see an article online that's not a podcast related article and it mentions your buddy's podcast and you're like, yeah, I should probably check on this and make sure he's okay with this. <laughs> <laughs> so if you come across that article, don't message Derek. He knows he's yeah, good with it. Yeah. <laughs> so this first one here, Matt, this is the Greenbrier ghost mm-hmm. uh, in, from West Virginia. And I'm sure a lot of y'all have heard some of it. Um, you may know the gist of it, but This was super interesting, and Ashley reminded me of this, and this is kind of the story that spurred this whole idea for this show. So let's talk about the Greenbrier Ghost, and the source for this story will be in the show notes, and like we said, we're going to read it as it's presented. Now, this says, on the morning of January 23rd, 1897, a blacksmith who called himself Edward Trout Shoe showed up at a woman's house in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, and he wanted to ask a favor. He wanted to ask, could her 11-year-old son go to Shoe's farm, collect some eggs, and then ask Shoe's wife, Zona, if she needed anything from town? So, all right, weird, but that's what he asked. So the boy did as requested, but when he knocked on the door of the Shoe house, no one answered. 
He opened the unlocked door and found Zona sprawled on the floor. She was dead. Now, by the time a local doctor, who was also the coroner, arrived, Trout Shoe had moved his wife's body to their bed, changed her clothes to a high-necked gown and scarf, and her husband held her head sobbing and showing signs of, quote, distress any time the coroner attempted to examine the body, the coroner later reported. So, after a cursory examination, the doctor attributed her cause of death to, quote, everlasting faint. <laughs> you faint and never wake up. That it's, yep, it, there's, there's another word for that. It, yeah, right. It's called <laughs> death. Not ever. Yeah. But he said everlasting faint. Later, though, he changed the cause of death to childbirth, which was odd because the shoes had only been married for three months and had only known, quote, one another for a brief time before that. So, no kids. They didn't have any kids. She was not in labor, but he changed it to childbirth. Now... And, and apparently no death certificate for the child. Right, right. That supposedly, you know, caused her demise. Right, it was just childbirth... A miraculous childbirth that had no baby and, uh, you know, weird, 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 weird. Now, that was it. She was put in a casket and taken to her mother's home for the funeral, during which Trout Shoe remained inconsolable, jealously preventing anyone from getting near his wife's body, according to Katie Letcher Lyle in the magazine Wonderful West Virginia. But a month after the burial, the town began to talk. Her mother, Mary Jane Heaster, had been telling people that her daughter's ghost was visiting her at night. The ghost was telling her that she had been murdered. Now, eventually, Heaster went to the prosecutor. She said that over a period of four nights, her daughter's ghost appeared before her as she lay in bed. The ghost told her Trout Shoe had grown enraged that Zona didn't serve meat for dinner and grabbed her by the neck, squeezing until it broke between the first and second vertebrae. I, 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 he sounds like a real meat and potatoes guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and meat I and mean, potatoes you know, is code for douche. I get it. <laughs> Look, if, if three months into the marriage, you know, you, he, he's ready to strangle his wife because she didn't serve meat, there was a problem. Yeah, and okay. I think at the time, in this time frame, if she didn't serve meat, it's because you didn't provide the meat. Right. You didn't bring yeah. home the bacon, per se. <laughs> because in this day and age, in 1897, that's what it was. She stayed at home, and he brought in the, the, the food or the money to buy food. So right, he it wasn't like she just forgot to pick up a, a leg of lamb at the at the market. Right, you know. Right. So I, <laughs> the leg of lamb was still running around out there. Yeah. <laughs> so he should have choked himself. I think. Uh, you know. Now the prosecutor asked the coroner what he noticed about Zona's neck during the ex examination, and he said something to the effect of, "Well, now that you mention it." The husband wouldn't let me examine her neck. You don't suppose that might be suspicious? <laughs> hey, it's 1897. Yeah. Okay. I mean, 
But I do suppose people, it might be suspicious. People, people weren't people weren't as suspicious, and and they were also. I, I hate to say more naive. Um. Yeah. You know there was there was a real, you know we don't talk about this. Right. So you 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 took people at at face value. That don't happen you know, in our town. <laughs> yeah. Or, or 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 a respected individual tells you how something happened and you believed it mm-hmm. because that's just what you did. Right. You did you didn't investigate, you know, hey, you know, this guy, he's a stand-up guy, you know, so if he says this is what happened, then this is what happened. But also, you know, people weren't above um uh listen, thank you so much, Doc coming out here and you know taking care of this and you know here's a, a bag of gold right right you know <laughs> corner said she died died in childbirth of no child yeah um but have you seen his new uh his his, his new horses man they're really nice <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so the corner ended up exhuming uh the body and summoned two more doctors As Zona's husband, Trout was brought in to observe. As they examined her neck, one of the doctors turned to him and, according to Lyle, said, Well, Trout, we have found your wife's neck to have been broken. There were bruises in the shape of fingers. Her windpipe had been crushed, and her neck was broken between the first and second vertebrae, just as Heaster claimed the ghost said it would be. So Trout was charged with murder. While he awaited trial, people in town discovered a few things. First, Edward Trout Shoe was actually Erasmus Trout Shoe, a blacksmith from a neighboring county, and he had been married before. A first wife was granted a divorce after enduring severe physical abuse, and a second wife had suddenly died after only eight months of marriage. At trial, there wasn't much, by the way, of hard evidence to present. Zona's neck was broken. And there were hand marks, sure, and he did have a way of bragging, quote, they will not be able to prove I did it. But that wasn't exactly, quote, beyond reasonable doubt material. Mm-hmm. Then the defense called Heaster to the stand. The defense attorney asked her to describe her visits from the so-called ghost, which she did. It was probably an effort to make her look like a fool, but Heaster stuck to her guns. Now, a lo- local newspaper which called it, quote, very, a very remarkable testimony, end quote, published a full transcript. So I'm going to read some of the transcript here. Attorney, Mr. He- uh, Mrs. Heaster, are you positively sure that these visits are not for dreams? Yes, sir. It was not a dream. I don't dream when I'm wide awake, to be sure. And I know I saw her right there with me. Attorney, are you not considerably superstitious? No, sir, I'm not. I was never that way before and am not now. Well, do you believe the scriptures? Yes, sir. I have no reason not to believe it. And do you believe the scriptures contain the words of God and his son? Yes, sir, I do. Don't you believe it? Now, I I, I would like, if I could, to get you to say that these four dreams and that these were four dreams and not four visions or appearances of your daughter in flesh and blood. I'm not going to say that. 
for I'm not going to lie. Later in the trial, when Trout Shoe took the stand, he, quote, rambled on for an entire afternoon and made, quote, unfavorable impressions, according to Lyle. The jury deliberated for little more than an hour before finding him guilty. He was sentenced to life, which ended up being only three years, because he died in prison in 1900 from an unknown illness. Now, the legend of Zona, who is uh, commonly called the Greenbrier Ghost, has grown over the years, and it's a tale frequently told on local ghost tours, and a West Virginia microbrewery named its, quote, Zona's Revenge Wit Beer in her honor. So How cool. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool thing um, because not super creepy, but you've got a ghost that appeared to her mother and solved her own murder. Had it not been for that, he would have gotten away with it scot-free. And and probably got away with the second murder mm-hmm. of a wife because he already had one wife that died under unusual circumstances. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I had never... I'd never heard anything quite like that as far as, you know, someone's ghost coming back and going, Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, he killed me. You know, right. this was no accident. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't, there's very few of the quote spirit has helped solve their murder type stories. Um, so like we said, go, Check the source in the show notes if you want to continue because there's other kind of tellings of it. That's just one telling that we found, Um, but you can find different ones, but very interesting. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Well, I found one. Um, When I told Adam about it, he said, I think I've heard of this, and uh, I had not, so that's why I, I picked this one. This was not uh, one that I'd heard, but I've heard similar stories of haunted roads. Um, And, you know, there's tons of those those great ghost stories about seeing mysterious people on the road or picking up uh, a stranded uh, pedestrian that Uh that you you took somewhere and then they disappeared. Um, Or and you, you you know, I love the old tale of the the guy that that shows up at the house you know of where this this person was supposed to be and they were like she died last year on oh, this yeah, night you know yeah. all that stuff really fun um this one is not quite like that um I, i'm talking about zombie road just outside of st louis missouri okay and zombie road of course was that immediately you know, piqued my interest. Sure. Yeah. Zombie road. Haven't heard of this, but in the city of Wildwood, there are a series of trails that cover a long gone road. That's still recognized as one of the most haunted roads in America. And that is zombie road. Now this story comes to us from, uh, one Alex Matusik and, Alex says that she wasn't a believer before, but now she totally is. So this was on a night in 2013. It was after a horseback ride. Uh, Matusik uh, went for a late night walk in the area that is now Miramec Greenway. 
uh, which is home to a series of trails like uh, the Al Foster and the Rock Hollow trails. Before that, the area was known for decades as Zombie Road. Now, Matusik says there are stories that everyone has heard of this trail, and my aunt was in town, so we thought we might go, we might as well just go and check it out. We were back quite a ways. The road wasn't paved when we were walking the trail originally, so the brush was very high. Matusik admitted that she was definitely a skeptic of the supernatural at the time, but on that walk, she started feeling some really strange sensations. She said there were pockets of colder air as they walked. The Matusik says she heard a sound she'll never forget. Hmm. We heard this high-pitched squeal almost sounding like it was from a teenage girl or a young woman. Said, as we heard this sound, I felt this sharp pain on my leg. Matusik and her aunt said they hurried from the woods, but when she got home, she had a surprise. Hmm. She says there were scratches on her leg. Now, she did say that the brush was pretty high, but Matusik said she was wearing layers and leather riding chaps. None of her layers were torn, so she assumed whatever scratched her wasn't of this world. Right. She says, I don't know any physical possible way I could have gotten scratched without being without there being some kind of marking on my half chap leather, markings on my pants or socks. No tears, no nothing. It wouldn't be the first time that something really out of the ordinary had happened in that area. And there's actually a documentary called Children of the Grave made by the Booth brothers, which shows a paranormal team out at night with cameras along Zombie Road and a number of local interviews with residents and St. Louis County police representatives. Now, one of the one of the Booth brothers, Christopher, who shared footage and photos of what he calls a shadow nest of children that they caught on camera. That's creepy. Booth said the still images were captured about six miles into the forest and the shadow images appeared on the film after the photos were developed. Hmm. Now, as I said, it's still listed as one of the most haunted roads in America. The original zombie road is said to sit atop the site of one of the largest Native American burial mounds in the country. It's rumored to be occupied by spirits of indigenous people, Confederate soldiers, children, industrial workers, you name it, the list goes on and on. But some of the local legends are a little less intense. Um, Matusik said she had always heard that it was a spooky place to bring your date and cuddle up real close if you got scared. You know, kind of like make out point. Yeah. But a representative from St. Louis County Parks urges people not to go searching for anything on or around the trails at night. The trails close before sunset and wandering around in the woods is obviously dangerous in and of itself. Matusik said she was forever changed by this experience, though, and 
She's like, I'm still not really into the paranormal stuff, paranormal stuff and never really believed until this experience. Yeah. So, um, you know, not, not digging in deep into zombie road. Um, there are tons of stories similar to this. Um, and what's really cool is so many of them are different. Um, you know, the, uh, seeing the, the native American, um, you know, images, you know, we've, we've, we've had other places that talk about native American ghosts. If you wander into the woods too far, you know, there's either a, a native American ghost that'll follow you. Um, right. you know, the, uh, I think that was in the uh, Bridgewater triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so we've heard stories like that before. Um, but you know, the spirits of these children and industrial workers and Confederate soldiers, I mean, that's just a lot, but if it's on top uh, of, uh, of a native American burial ground, all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so much that could happen. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to wander into a cemetery at night because you're always spooked as to what's going to happen. That's essentially what you're doing. Right. It just may not be, you know, big fancy grave markers, mm-hmm. you, know? you know, and now you're walking over unmarked graves that have been there for, you know, sometimes hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so haunted roads are always, always spooky, especially, you know, when you're driving around that area at night and you're like, you start telling, telling the passengers in your car, you know what happened on this road? Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> one of that, my favorite things. That's creepy, man. That's creepy. <laughs> and to come away with a scratch and not have your jeans or your chaps or anything scratched. That's I know. I know it's, it's wild. It makes you think something reached under or something or through through. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this one is it's called bloody Mary Wales. And this comes from the American folklore site link in the bottom. Now, as a heads up, this one is graphic. Um, so if you don't like the graphics, then skip on a little forward. (laughs) Now this says that old man Wales was an evil man who loved money more than anything in the world, except for his wife. Now, when his beloved wife died in childbirth, Wales fell to pieces. He hated the child, a little girl named Mary. Now, uh, you know, he, he says that this little girl named Mary had killed his wife. So he neglected her. He dressed her in rags, made her do all of the farm chores, and he half starved her. Now, in spite of this cruel treatment, Mary grew into a sweet girl who loved her wicked father. As Mary reached adulthood, the resemblance to her dead mother was striking. Wales saw his dead wife every time he looked at the daughter who had caused her death. One night, after a hefty bout of drinking, Wales lumbered into Mary's bedroom and stabbed her repeatedly. Mm. Mary woke screaming and thrashed around in agony trying to fight off her demonic father as blood spurted everywhere and bits of torn flesh littered the bedclothes and fell on the floor. When she was dead, old man Wales carried her down to the basement, dug an indifferent grave, and tossed her body into it. Two nights later, when old man Wales came back from doing his nightly chores, he found Mary standing in the kitchen 
her nearly severed head lolling against one shoulder as she stirred an empty kettle. A pool of steaming blood lay beneath her feet, and bits of skin from her knife-slashed face were breaking off and falling into the kettle. Father, Mary hissed. Old Man Wales screamed and leapt out of the kitchen door. When he glanced over his shoulder, the apparition was gone. A week later, Old Man Wales looked up from reading the newspaper to find Bloody Mary sitting in the chair opposite him, her knife-slashed dress covered in blood. Her tattered hands were busy knitting him a shirt. Father, she hissed through knife-scored lips. Blood fell from her body like rain as she flew across the room toward him, knitting needles held like knives. Old Man Wales fled from the house in panic with two deep cuts scored across his back. Old Man Wales cowered in the barn for several days, afraid to go near his house. After nearly a week of sleeping in the hay and eating raw food from the garden, he decided it was safe to return to his house. The spirit must be gone by now. Old Man Wales hurried into the kitchen, eager for a wash and a shave after sleeping so many nights in the barn. He pumped an ewer of water and took it over to the little shaving mirror they kept on the far wall. When he looked in the mirror, Old Man Wales saw the glowing red eyes and knife-scored face of Bloody Mary. Her once fair lips were split down the center and blood dripped from them as she smiled evilly. Father, she hissed, raising blood-stained fingers. Her nails were long and sharpened like the claws of a beast. She reached out of the mirror and slapped her father twice across the face. Old Manuel screamed, blood streaming from four slashes on his cheeks. He ran from the house and leapt into the safety of the barn, his heart pounding so hard his chest ached with it. Father! A voice hissed softly a few paces to his right. Old Man Wales screamed and whirled around. Bloody Mary stood smiling at him through her blood-stained, razor-sharp teeth. Her tattered tongue was bleeding from several places as if it had been scored by a butcher's knife. She pointed above her head, and Old Man Wales saw a noose hanging from the rafters beside the ladder to the loft. The rope looked inviting, hanging there in a dust-speckled sunbeam. Obediently, Old Man Wales placed his hands on the rung of the ladder and started to climb. Mm. I thought that was a good one. So, it is a good one. Now, is is this is this the original story of of the Bloody Mary? You look in the mirror and I didn't you say it three times. Or? I didn't look into it to see if it was or not. Um, the American folklore site that it was on didn't specify if it was the original or not. Yeah. It does hold a lot of similarities to the actual Bloody Mary because of the yeah. looking in the mirror, but there was no saying her name or anything like that. So if yeah. this was the original, then of course it's been added on to, to become a little parlor game for kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it seems like I've, I've heard, multiple stories that are supposedly the origin of the, of the bloody Mary game. Um, and you know, it's even, 
it, it's even filtered over to the bell witch, you know, the same yeah. thing, you know, yeah. look in the mirror and say the name and, um, you know, you wind up with a scratch on your face or something. Mm-hmm. She would appear, you know, things like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a great one. We I mean, did. Right. Yeah. Look, go home and go tell your kids this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we did the bloody Mary thing as kids. And I, I can still remember being 12 years old, 13 years old and terrified because we were oh, at, yeah. we we're at the house and, you know, you go in the bathroom and you shut the lights off and you stand in front of the mirror and you say Bloody Mary three times and you turn around. And when you turn back to the mirror, you're supposed to see Bloody Mary in the mirror. And it, depending on who told you the story, either she would leap out and scratch you or she would just leap out at you and scare you or she'd just be in the mirror. And we did it. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. obviously um but after that i was scared to be in the bathroom with the lights off for a year <laughs> i can see that like I, I, can, I can absolutely see that i would reach into the bathroom and flip the light on prior to even walking in there i wouldn't walk into the bathroom and then flip the light on i didn't yeah. want any yeah. number of seconds in a dark bathroom after that and then as i got a little bit older i went this is ridiculous there, you know, this Bloody Mary is not going to come out of my mirror. And then I get older and start researching paranormal stuff. And I'm like, you know, then something could come out of the mirror at you. It's weird. I took the whole you, loop. You, you, know? you wind up creeping yourself out again <laughs> as an adult. Yeah. Uh, which I've done. Oh, yeah. I, I have. I've absolutely done that. Oh, yeah. You know, where you just you you know enough. Um, you've heard enough, you've read enough that you, you actually just completely spook yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this has nothing to do with the bloody Mary thing or spirits, but does have to do with bathrooms. Even in my old house. Now I, we don't have shower curtains in, um, our bathrooms here. We've got the glass doors. Yeah. But in my old house, as you know, Matt, there was a shower curtain. I had this thing and I still have it. Um, it's not as bad, but if I went into a bathroom with a shower curtain, I had to look behind the shower curtain. Oh, me too. If it's a bathroom that I, I'm not familiar with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I do that too. Yep. And so if I come into your house and you've got a shower curtain, I'm going to look at your shower. I, I mean, it's not a judgmental thing. I don't care what you've got in your shower. I'm just looking to make sure there's nobody in there that's going to jump out at me. And I don't know where this thing came from. I don't know what it is, but I do it to this day. Relatives house, anything. If I go in and I see a shower curtain, I've got to check behind it just to make sure. And I know you don't have to worry about that at your house because you've got an 11 year old Uh Um, shower. The shower curtain in the bathroom that the kids use, it's never closed ever. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So you walk it's always open. Yep. <laughs> now, he's got on his, he doesn't even, he's got a sliding uh, glass door on his too. So it it's perfect for me and my shower curtain fear. But yes, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the shower door is always open. I mean, <laughs> 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 unless Ashley or I walk in there and shut it, it's always open. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But just, you know, they just, it's like, 
cabinet doors are always open in my house yeah. for some reason. Yeah. You know, it's like you you had to reach up and open it. How difficult is it to just move your hand back and close it? Right, yeah. right. You're already we, there. We could go on and let that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, sticking with my little theme of of uh, haunted haunted traveled ways, kind of. Um, I, I'm, we're going to talk about Dead Woman's Crossing. Ah. Okay? So if you look at a map. I've not heard of this one, so this is going to be cool. Uh, yeah, and this one's close to you, so I'm surprised. Um, but if you look at a map of western Oklahoma, you'll find Dead Woman's Crossing near Weatherford. Now, the story behind Dead Woman's Crossing is linked to the mystery of what happened to one Miss Katie James in 1905. All right. Now, uh, on July 7th of 1905, 29-year-old school teacher Katie DeWitt James left her abusive husband, Martin Luther James, and boarded a train with her 13-month-old baby, Lulu, in Custer City, bound for Weatherford, and then Ripley to stay with relatives. Now, as the train departed, Katie waved to her father, Henry DeWitt, unaware that she would never see him again. Now, at a stop at Clinton, local prostitute Fanny Norton befriended Katie, telling her about a strange man asking questions at the station. Katie was nervous, so Fanny convinced her to get off the train at Weatherford and stay the night with Fanny's brother-in-law, then catch the train tomorrow. On July 28th, Henry had not heard from his daughter, so he hired Detective Sam Bartell, who went to Weatherford to piece together Katie's final movement. Witnesses saw Katie leave the train with Fanny and spend the night at William Moore's house. They left the next morning for a leisurely three-hour buggy ride toward Hydro. Less than an hour later, Fanny's buggy was seen fleeing full speed from Deer Creek. She stopped at the, at the Burshide farmhouse to leave Lulu, her clothes, and blanket stained with blood. Fanny tossed other bloody clothes in, a, in the nearby bushes. Bartell found Lulu still at the birdshides and bloodstains on the buggy in town. Fanny had rushed back to Clinton, took her four children to Guthrie, and disappeared. On July 29th, she was arrested in Shawnee. The authorities knew her from a previous Weatherford shooting where a sympathetic jury acquitted her. During questioning, Fanny was visibly nervous. During a break, Fanny went to the bathroom, swallowed some poison, and died less than an hour later. Oh, geez. Now, a month later, while crossing a bridge at Deer Creek, George Cornell and his sons discovered Katie's severed skull with a bullet hole behind her right ear. 
Her badly decomposed body was hidden in a clump of bushes nearby. Fanny's 38 caliber revolver was also found nearby, the same one used in the Weatherford shooting. DeWitt identified his daughter's body through her tattered but recognizable clothing, hat, a comb in her hair, shoes, and her gold wedding band. The coroner declared robbery as the motive, but why leave a valuable ring? Mm -hmm. There was also plenty of speculation about Martin. Strangely, he hadn't seemed all that concerned that his baby daughter was missing, but he had an airtight alibi provided by his friend who was a local deputy sheriff. Hmm. After Katie's death, Martin moved to Dewey County with Lulu. Henry never saw her again, but he received updates from his sister who lived nearby. When Henry sent Lulu new clothes through his sister, Martin told Lulu that Katie was still alive and the clothes were from her. In January 1913, eight-year-old Lulu died of of spinal meningitis. Today, the mystery of Katie James' fate continues. Legend claims that her spirit haunts the bridge near the site of her murder, known as Dead Woman's Crossing. Reportedly at midnight, you can hear the sound of a woman crying for her child as well as the sound of wagon wheels. Now, one other part of this legend is that at night in the town of Weatherford, you will see a blue light wandering around, and that's supposedly the ghost of Katie James still looking for her daughter. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I, yeah, though, these, these tales of, uh, of murdered, murdered wives and revenge and whatnot, you know, they, they always spawn the, these haunted legends. Um, especially in small, in small towns. Yeah. Um, and they're, and they're great. They're fantastic. I guarantee you, if you, if you live in a small town, um, you've got something similar to this, you know, some, some murdered, tortured spirit that continues to roam, uh, seeking revenge or looking for a lost child or a lost lover, anything like that. You know, if you you dig hard enough, you'll you'll find you'll find these stories. Yeah, and the light—that's um, always fascinating to me when you get a wandering light with a with a story, because right. you know we've covered the the ghost lights and the Marfa lights and stuff, mm-hmm. and so it makes me wonder, like, is it an apparition? Which it's highly possible. Or is it some other physical, natural phenomena that we don't understand and mm-hmm. we're attributing a light to it? But the the lights fascinate me. Like, I, I don't know why, but mm-hmm. there's something so fascinating about these single lights that you see floating through an area. They, they'll happen at haunted houses, but they happen a lot out in the woods mm-hmm. where there mm-hmm. shouldn't be a light, you know, there's no electricity and, and you get people saying all the time, well, it's, you know, 
an optical illusion coming from three miles away in the way the bend of the earth and the refraction right. and the you're like, right. okay, I get that on some of them, maybe. But this is in the <laughs> middle of trees. Why is there a blue light roaming the woods right. here? And right. it's it's fascinating, man. And and it's always blue. Yeah. And you know, my grandmother, um, she used to tell me, if you ever see a blue light out in the woods at night, don't go, don't go toward it, mm-hmm. go near it, because it was what did she call it like a, a death light or a spirit light. It wasn't that it wasn't an omen. It wasn't something that that showed that someone was going to die. It was an indicator that someone had just died. Yeah. And as I got older and and got into ghost stories and 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 the paranormal, um, I, I remember seeing this commonly in in books and stories mm-hmm. about these blue lights that would appear that were attributed to the spirit of someone who had died. Now it may not have been a tragic death; it just could have been, you know, somebody died, but yet this blue light appeared out in the woods, you know, at this around the same time as their death or, you know, as, as like my grandmother used to say, somebody that you knew or loved that was nowhere near you had died and the light was kind of their spirit saying goodbye. Yeah. So, you know, my grandmother was always big on, you don't mess around with the dead. Sure. Yeah. You, you let, you let the dead belong to the dead you have no business with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was serious about this. Um, so she, she always told, if you ever see one of those lights, you stay away from it. It's not going to hurt you. You don't go anywhere near it because that belongs to the dead. The other thing with the light too, is we ran into that in our Faye research. Um, there was always one of the Faye that was associated with a light in the woods. And it was a way to attract humans and bring them to the fey realm. So it could be the same same thing your grandmother was talking about since it, it, it just with a different explanation put on it. But if it's supposed, supposed to cause you harm or take you, then it could have been one of the fey lights. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on, an, on another kind of tangent here. Um, Speaking of when people pass, the light shows up. One of the things that I've thought for a long time, and I I know this is just my, just the way my brain works, but you know how you can be driving and you're looking at the sky and it's pretty cloudy. Well, then in the clouds, you see a beam of sunlight, clearly a beam of sunlight going through the cloud and down somewhere off in the distance. I I was told as a kid, and I I like to believe it, even though I know it's probably not true. It's just a natural occurrence that that is a spirit ascending after someone has died, and that is the mm-hmm. basically the highway to heaven, uh, the, the stairway to heaven. It's the highway to hell. You get there quicker. It's the stairway to heaven. You got to walk. Um, yeah. But that that's I was told that as a kid. And I like to believe that even now when I see that, Mm -hmm. I'll look over at Ashley and go, hey, look, somebody's going to heaven, even though I I know it's just 
you know, a hole in the cloud and the sun's coming through, but yeah, it's still a neat thing to think, you know <laughs> I mean? Yeah. And there, there are stories of your body emitting a blue light when you die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've come across that a few times um, that, you know, there, I guess there's, um, there's a type of worm that when it dies, it emits an ultraviolet light. Um, and this is something similar that apparently human bodies do the hmm. same. Um, but, um, but yeah, I've, I've never really looked deep into that. But no. it, it is interesting, especially with those legends of, of the blue lights appearing when someone dies. Maybe it is something to look into. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Another, a future GYT episode. That's right. Okay, Matt. So. I wanted to end on this one because this one, it, it was just reported on either yesterday or today. And the article came out today and, but it it was on WFAA.com. They reported it on the news. This happened in Gainesville, Texas. So that's not too far from me. Right in your neck of the woods. Exactly. And uh, if you're a Texan, and anywhere around DFW, you know exactly where Gainesville is. Um, you've probably been there a time or two. So I wanted to talk about this one because they called it the potty mouth ghost. So, of course, I had to look into it. You know me, potty mouth and ghost. You've got my attention. <laughs> Only way they could have done it better is this ghost curses like a sailor. And I'd have been clicking quick to get over there. That's some clickbait. You know that. If somebody was going to describe Adam in two in two words, you know, <laughs> potty mouth ghost. Yeah, yep. that's Adam. That, <laughs> well, I know what I aspire to be after I die. Now, it's a potty mouth ghost. Um, so if you want to see this news thing, go to the WFAA.com link that I've got in the show notes. But I'm going to I'm going to read what they wrote here. So here's a haunted house in Gainesville, Texas. That is supposedly a real, quote, dirty talker. So uh, it says they're sexual, the owner says. There's no other way to put it. Now, the house in Gainesville that supposedly if you move in, you move back out real quickly. Now, Linda Hill, the owner, says it's like a revolving door. The longest anyone stayed in this house was six months. So. Years ago, Linda Hill and her husband bought several homes in the same neighborhood in order to rent them out. The one on Denton Street was the only one that couldn't keep a stable tenant. Hill said she and her husband had no idea why. Then, finally, after 10 tenants moved out in less than two years, someone told her husband that the house was haunted. At first, Hill didn't believe it. She said, no, no, not not at all. Not at all. Well, all that changed when she happened to take a shower on the property. Apparently, she was over there late one night doing some work. She wanted to take a shower. So through the curtain, she saw, then heard a dark figure whisper, looking good, at her. (laughs) At first, she assumed it was her husband until a few seconds later when her husband walked into the bathroom. He said, who are you talking to? And 
it, it, Hill said it was like, oh my God, it really is haunted. <laughs> now, rumor has the perverted ghost. Yeah. <laughs> rumor. The ghost of a peeping Tom. Yeah, it, it, it's something like that. Um, rumor has it the house was built in 1840s um, and it used to be a bordello. That's why Hill said many of the ghosts here tend to reveal themselves in a, quote, particular nature. Sexual, she said. There's no other way to put it. Hill said several people have recorded EVPs where the ghost can be heard talking dirty in the house. (laughs) So Hill, in the interview, she uh, mimicked what had been heard, and it was, oh, baby, oh, baby, yeah. Yeah, I like it like that. <laughs> On an EVP? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't say I've ever heard anything like that. Nope. <laughs> so, so you... <laughs> sorry, this one tickles me. Um, this goes on to say that not all ghosts here that way, though. There is a door upstairs uh, in the upstairs bathroom that regularly opens even after it's been shut tight. Um, and there is a supposedly a 19 foot well that is underneath the living room. Some people believe it's a spiritual portal, which they have said mm-hmm. may explain how so many ghosts and spirits have ended up in the house and particularly in the room right next to the door to that well. Now that, um, that well, I think if I'm not mistaken, they have now put like a plexiglass thing over it. So in the yeah. living room, you can see down into this well. So it's kind of neat. Well, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, now, uh, Hill said that the room is called the murder room, that room right next to the well. Why that name? It says, well, because some psychics claim to have seen a dead man laying on the floor of that room. And Hill says, no, really. Almost every psychic that walks in here says that. well so for those reasons and many more hill eventually gave up on finding tenants to lease her property now she rents the house out exclusively to people who want to investigate the ghosts that reportedly live there so i emailed this link to ashley and i said we are going here let's rent this house for a weekend oh yeah yeah how awesome would that be it's not far we could it's got a cool little well in the thing um and maybe we can hear some ghosts that say, oh, baby, oh, baby. Yeah, I like it like that. <laughs> That's great. It, it, they had me at potty mouth. I thought it was going to be a bunch of cussing. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, I did too. when I read this story, I was like, oh, my God. It, it reminds me of uh, that ghost that we talked about, the nurse ghost at the south pittsburgh hospital Uh that would goose men and i mean honestly i've never been goosed by a ghost i've never had a ghost goosing yeah Yeah. and it actually would be kind of cool and the the closest i got to that was the thing that happened at the jefferson house which if you haven't heard what happened to me at the jefferson hotel then you need to go join our our patreon and you can listen to that story very interesting hotel there oh yeah um but man i really want to go to this house and take my digital recorder and and try to capture some naughty talk it it would be like 
you remember those 900 numbers back in the day that you'd call up and <laughs> and you you could get people to talk dirty to you? Uh-huh. uh-huh. You just get your uh get one of those um what are those uh ovulus things? Oh yeah, the like the spirit box. Yeah. Thing. Just take your spirit box ovulus thing there and it'd be like a free 900 number. <laughs> Oh man, that was <laughs> that would be just crazy. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, it would really be interesting because uh, on on two aspects of this, at one, you know, being able to capture, you know, your own EVPs would be sure incredible. Yep. Um, but then if if they were something like that, <laughs> I, I would just I would just it would trump everything. Yep. You know, well, it it'd be like. <laughs> If if I got some there, you'd ha- you'd go okay. I'll play a couple on the main episode, but these other ones, those those are a Patreon. They are too mm-hmm. dirty. You got to go to Patreon <laughs> to hear these because you should have heard what that ghost said to me. Too I- hot for <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like well, you know, I took a shower there and it got a little risque. The ghost enjoyed it a little too much. <laughs> You get out and in the steam on the mirror, looking good. <laughs> steam on the mirror. You there's work out. <laughs> yeah. There's an obscene drawing on the mirror when you get out. It's like, that looks like a, oh, yep. That's what that is. <laughs> well, you know, you, you give a, you, you give a guy a pen, he'll probably, you know, draw mm-hmm. that on something. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Ladies out there. If you don't know about this, ask either your husband, your boyfriend, or just one of your guy friends. If they have a pen and their friend leaves a notebook or something laying around like at work or something like that, <laughs> ask them, even if they don't do it, ask them what they're tempted to do oh, yeah, to that yeah. notebook. And it that got so bad, Matt, when I was a supervisor at my old job. That happened so much that I had people in the department complain about it. And I had to have a meeting with the entire department that said, no more drawing those on anything in this department. It's getting out of hand. Even as supervisor, I would walk away and leave my notepad. I'd come back and there'd be a big one drawn on my notepad somehow. And I'm, I've got to take these notes into my boss and show them. <laughs> And I've got this, I've got this blacked out square and they would just look at me and go happen to you too. Huh? I'm like, what? what? Uh, we haven't done anything about this. <laughs> all right. All right. So this, 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 this brings up a story that I hadn't thought about in years. Um, but when I was younger, junior highish, um, I had a buddy that was, a he was a, he was a pretty talented artist. Okay. And so he would do this. But I mean, the, these things he would draw, they were, they were, they were shaded masterful and anatomically, you know, accurate. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he, I mean, they were, they were really good and he, he had, he had a whole variety. I mean, if, if you would have, he would have to have access to something of yours for <laughs> more than a few minutes. Um, <laughs> and, and then you would have one and, and. We, we thought it was absolutely hysterical. I mean, we, we didn't do it to any girls or mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, it was, it was all just the guys that ran around with us. Oh but, yeah. You just always do it on your, your guy friend stuff. That's all it is. Yeah. So I remember a teacher 
a teacher oh no found out about it and i i can't remember what he had drawn it on but she she had it and she goes you have to fix this okay that's all she said <laughs> was you have to fix this okay so what he did was brilliant okay it, it with with all his talent he he continued to draw and he drew this this cartoon face that was perfect okay with big bulging eyes and and, and all this and a and a big long nose yeah. you know that hung down over a big double chin okay <laughs> it was great and and the teacher thought it was so funny that he 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 was off the hook <laughs> that's great <laughs> That is great. Oh man! Oh yeah, good times. We some people would draw them on tape and then stick them to you, like come up and pat you on the back, so you'd be walking around with one on the back. And if your your boss ever saw it, you know they they just knew you got wiener tagged. So it yeah, was just yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> So, yeah, that's a, a good way to end this episode, Matt. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So so we hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, even the last know, we conversation did, we had. Hope you enjoyed the last conversation, uh, you know, had nothing to do with ghosts or anything else. But anyway, it's Halloween. Um, it's supposed to be fun, man. That's right. You know, so I, if you're like you said, if you if you're if you caught this one the day it dropped or, you know, it, it's coming up on Halloween, um, you know, we hope you're enjoying the season. You know, we get get into that nice weekend and prep and i i guarantee you there's some places doing some early trick or treating over the weekend you know and if if you're if it's halloween already when you're listening to it i hope you're having a having a fun enjoyable halloween absolutely um, I, I i always love halloween because to me you know just beyond everything else it it, it kicks off you know the the holiday season um and and it always just it, it just makes me feel a little bit more festive mm-hmm. and you know, my family was always so big into Halloween. Um, you know, it, it, it always brings up great memories. So I hope it does for you too. So, um, we hope everyone in the graveyard has a, has a fun and safe Halloween. And, um, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.